Welcome to The Lodestar. In this sponsored episode, we're looking at UK container trades and ports. We've got a bit on Brexit and the Trans-Pacific Partnership that the UK recently joined. We're looking at why more terminal capacity at London Gateway will be welcomed by UK shippers and forwarders. And we're examining DP World's move to offer logistics solutions beyond the port. Shining a light on these issues today is no less than DP World UK's Chief Operating Officer. It's Andrew Bowen. We are able to offer a broad range of solutions, whether that be through P&O and P&O ferries or through Unifeeder and our ports, but also our logistics solutions with warehousing, storage solutions, etc. We give our customers a different choice, but what we are able to do is provide an end-to-end through different means. There are a lot of customers prefer to have a bit of diversity and a bit corny, but they don't want to have all their eggs in one basket. But what DP World are able to do through our sister companies is provide a broad range of different options and different solutions which may suit their requirement in terms of costing, decarbonisation, timing, delivery, and that's what we are able to offer. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike King. You're listening to a Lodestar podcast. And today, as trailed, I'm delighted to be joined by the man responsible for the planning, design and construction of all civil works and the design, procurement, commissioning and maintenance of all equipment and IT systems and infrastructure at DP World London Gateway. Andrew Bowen, Chief Operating Officer of DP World UK. Welcome to the Lodestar podcast. Thank you. And uh, I'm glad to be here. Andrew, there's a bunch of topics we're going to cover today, including DP World's expansion plans in the UK and why customers are increasingly looking to traditional port companies like yourselves for more integrated solutions. But first, let's put that discussion into context for our listeners who may not necessarily be familiar with DP World's UK operations and how they fit into the wider North European container trade and general logistics and trade flows. Can you explain how carriers serve Northern Europe and where UK terminals, including DP World's own facilities at Southampton and London Gateway, fit into liner port rotations? Yeah, so in the uh, supply chain, obviously, the, the shipping lines are running different services from all around the globe. What DP World in the UK has is, is two key port facilities. In the UK, we are key to the heart of the supply chain. We handle around 50 billion goods of products a year. And we actually process enough containers to stretch from London to Buenos Aires and back. And interesting enough, Buenos Aires is actually one of the ports I worked in and uh, built a DP World terminal there in the late 90s. So it's kind of a, coming back to where my origins were many years ago as a young civil engineer. But bringing it back to the UK, we obviously have the two ports in the UK. We have one here at London Gateway and one here in Southampton. And across these two terminals last year, we handled just short of 4 million TU containers, which is a fantastic effort and making us the number one container port operator in the UK. Now, the two ports have different offerings across them. So our, our terminal in Southampton has some very key Asian import services, along with some Indian Mediterranean reefer cargo, while the London Gateway has a couple of Asian export services but has a very broad worldwide services to India, South America, South Africa, Asia, and obviously North America. And one of the key offerings we also have across the UK is our reefer cargo. So between London Gateway and Southampton, we handle 75% of all the reefer cargo 
that comes into the UK, containerized reefer cargo, which is an enormous amount. And 50% of that is at London Gateway. But what I'm trying to show is we're the number one container port operator in the UK, and we will continue to grow and grow as a business, not only in the ports, but also in terms of our end-to-end supply chain, which is a key part of where DP World is going. As you mentioned there, Andrew, you've got this extensive worldwide experience in planning, design, supervision, project management across the DP World group, but you've been involved with London Gateway since 2004 or so, which is more or less since its inception, I think. What was the original thinking behind building this new logistics hub and what sort of volumes and trade are you now handling or are you expecting to handle in the next few years? Yes, yeah, so, so I started back in 2004. You know, my, my background is civil engineering and I, I've traveled all over the world, planning, designing, building container terminals uh, around the globe. And obviously this opportunity came up at London Gateway and I get involved at the end of the public inquiry. And 2023, 2024 is 20 years since the public inquiry for London Gateway. And it's, 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 it's coming to fruition now what everyone envisaged. So you know, back in the day when we're doing the original public inquiry, what the UK required was a port-centric solution close to the centre of harder consumption, which is the southeast of England, but was able to efficiently handle cargo and also handle the world's largest, deepest ships. Now, more and more, you see ships are getting bigger and bigger, and it creates challenges across the logistics chain for servicing the large import and export calls, the deep drafted, the very large vessels. And that's what London Gateway was built for. And this is what London Gateway is now delivering. I think the aspiration and vision that we had back in 2004 is now proven to be correct. The London Gateway is the fastest growing container port in the UK and has grown from nothing to handling over 2 million TU in the last 10 years. November 6th this year in 2023 will be our 10th anniversary. And you know, I can only look back on the last 10 years and say, wow, that, that is a fantastic success. And the team who have worked in this project you can look back with you know, great uh, proudness of what will they have achieved. But it's also not just the port, it's also the logistics park. And what we have here, which is a big logistics park, one of the biggest in the UK, which is now part of the free port, and now it's 50% build out. And it's a key part of our supply chain solution that, that we're also what we're delivering on customers in the park and some of the country's biggest importers. And by being located in the park, they now have an efficient, low-cost and an environmentally sustainable supply chain. Andrew, you mentioned there some of the challenges of the ocean container shipping supply chain over the years and bigger ships and and that type of thing. But this really became clear during the pandemic around the world, but in the UK box terminal business as well. uh, There was a real problem coping with demand spikes, that particular pandemic driven demand. We saw a, a lot of congestion. We started seeing some carriers diverting services from Asia to places like Liverpool, which wouldn't normally receive that type of call. You guys are in the process of actually boosting up your capacity. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, I think it's true to say, just going back on the comment on the pandemic, there was some challenges in the supply chain. But what I would say is that both DP World Terminals in the UK were able to handle this challenge. Your London Gateway had its busiest every year and cargo was diverted from all around Europe into London Gateway, Transship, etc. And we were able to handle it. But we do also accept that there is a need for deep water bursts in the UK. There is a very limited availability of deep water bursts that are able to handle the new and bigger ships. And it's not just from a berth pocket size, it's from a crane size, a supply chain size, the whole logistics chain. And as such that, we're committed to berth bore. So berth bore 
is well underway, under construction. It's a 350 million pound investment, which will open in the, the summer of next year. And what's important about this berth is, is not only that it provides the biggest, a brand new deep water facility, which the UK desperately needs, but also provides an environmentally sustainable solution. So the whole of the fourth earth will be electric, you know, which is very important in terms of the decarbonisation journey that everyone, including DP World, are on. The key cranes to the uh, straddle carriers to the AECs will be fully electric. And the straddle carriers, which will operate in berth four, will be the world's first full electric fleet globally. So we've been trialling an electric straddle carrier here for a couple of years, and now we have committed and procured eight electric straddle carriers, which will be operational next year, which will give a full electric net zero berth and just reinforces the commitment of DP World to net zero. But it's also important we don't forget our terminal Southampton, which is very important in terms of the DP World UK offering. You know, two port solutions is very important. And we continue to invest in Southampton. We have invested uh, over 40 million pounds in the last few years. And we've also just taken on some additional storage land, which also can deal with some of the challenges in the supply chain. Yeah, we across the UK have now invested two billion pounds in the last 10 years, and we expect to envisage investing another billion pounds in the next 10 years. We will continue to invest in the UK. Can I just look at this investment from a wider port strategy perspective or a group perspective, maybe? Obviously, Jebel Ali in Dubai is the DP World flagship hub, and I've seen that grow myself over the last 20 plus years of visiting Dubai. And it's really evolved far beyond what people think of as a port. It's got one of the world's leading free trade zones. It, it links to two airports for air cargo pretty seamlessly. You've got your own feeder operations running out of there. But as a port itself, it's more a hub than a destination. So it's not exactly a like-for-like -like comparison with London Gateway or Southampton. So I'm wondering how heavily are you able to lean on this sort of wider logistics concept for ports that we see at Jebel Ali and in other DP world ports around the world in terms of how you view and plan London Gateway itself as it grows? Are you looking at building out more end-to-end -end logistics solutions with and for customers in the UK maybe? Yeah, I think it's important that your point on Jebel Ali is noted, but the concepts of end-to-end -end logistics also do exist in the UK. You know, more and more we are able to offer as our customers a seamless solution that takes out all the hassles that people experienced the last few years. I think it's, it's very evident that uh, customers over the last few years got into quite some difficulty and they want to have an integrated service that reduces the risks and provides a, a single solution. So they want a solution which could involve haulage, warehousing, feeder services, shunting, and also specialist software and technological solutions, digital solutions, which are able to make their life easier. And in the UK, we were able to do that. We have the two ports. We run our own train now between Southampton and London Gateway. We do shunting between the port and the park at London Gateway. Within DP World, we also have P&O Ferries, P&O Ferrymasters. DP World Contract Logistics, which run warehouses all around the UK for some of the big global customers. We are able to provide this end-to-end -end supply chain and are doing that already. Our customers require on that and we have to deliver on that to continue our development of the DP World business. Just for some of our listeners who might not necessarily know about the subsidiaries that you have that operate in and out of the UK and around Europe. So you've got the ferry subsidiary, P&O Ferries, and on a previous podcast, we 
discussed your multimodal operations across the continent via another subsidiary, P&O Ferrymasters. How does all this tie in with the expansion of London Gateway and this broader logistics offering that you're explaining there, Andrew? So DP World has a number of uh, businesses that work in parallel with the DP World core port business. Yeah, we talked about P&O Ferrymasters, P&O Ferries. We also have Unifeeder, which is one of the, the world's largest uh, feeder companies. So what we are doing is offering end-to-end solutions and different choices to our customers. So we work with our partner sister companies such as P&O and P&O Ferries, Unifeeder, and from our cargo, which is in, say, Eastern Europe to north of Scotland or something, we are able to offer a broad range of solutions, whether that be through P&O and P&O Ferries or through Unifeeder and our ports, but also our logistics solutions with warehousing, storage solutions, et cetera. Yeah, we give our customers a different choice. But what we are able to do is provide end-to-end through different means. There are a lot of customers prefer to have a bit of diversity and uh, a bit corny, but they don't want to have all their eggs in one basket. But what DP World are able to do through our sister companies is provide a broad range of different options and different solutions, which may suit their requirement in terms of costing, decarbonization, timing, delivery. And that's what we are able to offer. What does this look like exactly from a customer's point of view in terms of the customer interface with all of these multimodal ports, ferry services that you have? Do you bring it all together somehow in a unifying technological tool or more than one tool maybe? Yes, it's a very important part. And we all know that we're always on the internet (laughs) ordering things like that. And what I would say is it's fantastic having all these products, but you must have the correct digital solution which go with them. Otherwise, we can't do this end-to-end supply, Jane. So we have a number of digital solutions, some specific to the UK and some global solutions. So in the UK, we have a company called CNS, which provides very UK and Europe. Actually, it is expanding into Europe. It does UK solutions for customers. But we also globally have, uh, through our head office in Dubai, digital solutions which enable freight importers, exporters to book a full end-to-end supply chain using the different elements of the DP World logistics supply chain. So we continue to do a lot of work on that, and that is obviously a key area we're continuing to develop and make it as easy as possible for our end customers. We're in the game of providing a smart logistics solution, and that's what we already do. In a previous podcast, Andrew, and when I've been doing research for this interview, I come across the phrase port-centric logistics quite a lot. Maybe if you could define that more specifically for me, or maybe do you have an example of how this works or looks like in action? Yeah, so I agree. Sometimes uh, port-centric can become a bit confused about what it actually means. But we, we obviously consider ourselves within London Gateway as a port-centric solution. But we also, across the UK, can say we even provide an extended port-centric solution, which are, and I'll give you two examples on how we deal with that. So at London Gateway, for example, we would have a customer somewhere in Europe. I'll give you an example. I won't go confidentiality reasons going to their name. We have a customer who is uh, wanting to import a product into the, to the UK and distribution into uh, various facilities. So what they do is they send it on a, a shipping line. We unload it. We then shunt that into a facility within the park where we have our own logistics facility, which will devan all the containers, store them, and then repackage them into our own trucking and network, which will then distribute into the southeast of England. So that solution is a completely DP well-controlled solution with our shipping line low carbon, environmentally friendly. So you could say that is a, you know, a specific port-centric solution within London Gateway. We all deal with the unloading, the shunting to the park, 
unpacking and then distribution into the southeast of England. But I will also say we do extend that further, and I I'll touch on an example with involving our terminal in Southampton. So, as I've explained previously, you know, DP World in the UK is the largest handler of reefer containers, and we have a customer who has a logistics park in that logistics park in London Gateway, a refrigerated shed. But the reefer containers actually come into the facility in London Gateway. But what we have done is developed a supply chain for that customer. And he's after, obviously, just-in-time service. Refrigerated cargo has a very limited shelf time. He wants just-in-time service and low-carbon solution. So we have developed a supply chain which involves that the ship coming into Southampton late one night. We immediately uh, unload the vessel. We then shunt it to the rail terminal in Southampton. As soon as the train is full, the train departs Southampton, arrives into London Gateway Port. We then uh, unload the train shunted into his facility in the logistics park, which he will then devan the container and distribute into his end customer. So you could say that is an extended port-centric solution, but it's all about the end-to-end -end supply chain that we have developed between the two ports and overall logistics chain. You know, all of these solutions are quick, efficient, low-cost and low-CO2 solutions. The uh, logistics park at London Gateway, we have discussed this previously on, on the Lodestar podcast, can you give our listeners an idea of what it looks like in terms of size or, or in terms of hard numbers, uh, if I may be blunt, how many manufacturing and like warehousing customers have, have now signed up for that massive area that you've got planning consent for? Yeah, so the London Gateway Logistics Park has a, a capability of 9 million square feet. And yeah, a lot of focus and talk is about the port, but what has clearly shown in the last few years is that the logistics park is expanding enormously and doing well. We're obviously now part of the Thames Freeport, and uh, 21,000 additional new jobs will be created by the Thames Freeport. Yeah, we've got enormous amount of uh, development work underway. Currently, we have five sheds under construction, and some of them do include uh, manufacturing. We have one of our first manufacturing facilities under construction at the moment. The park has a mixture of global, world-leading customers, plus also a number of trade-specific customers uh, you know, targeted to more the refrigerated cargo area. But the park is a very key part of what we have here at London Gateway. And when complete, in the, probably around five years' time, we'll have 12,000 employees here. Yeah, the park is, is a fantastic success. And as I said, is now part of the Thames Freeport. What's the, the timescale for those new-built warehousing facilities and, and all, also those new jobs that are being created? Is that all over the five years or is that over a longer period? Well, we currently, by the end of this year, we, as I said, we have five sheds under construction at the moment. So by the end of the year, we'll be approximately about 50% built out. So we envisage, subject to market demand, that over the next five years, the park will be completely built out. So already on the park, we have many, many thousands of people with global companies here. And we ex expect within the next five years that the park will be complete and those 12,000 jobs will be here. Yeah, we're one of the biggest employees in this area and obviously continue to work with the local community, colleges, schools, in terms of investments and skills and education programs to ensure that we have the workforce to work in both the port and the park. Just before we finish, Andrew, can I just widen this out a little bit for a sort of look at the, the strategic perspective slightly? You mentioned earlier that the original inquiry was two decades ago. London Gateway opened for business a decade or so ago. The UK is a very different place. And in fact, Europe's a very different place over that period. I mean, it's not just Brexit. 
we have new relationships with lots of trading partners. And I, I say we as in the UK. The UK also recently joined the Trans-Pacific Trading Partnership. How does all of this affect, I guess, both your operations, but also your strategic planning? Or maybe if I could put it in another way, what sort of UK economy or trading entity do you envisage when, when you're looking forward at the next decade? Firstly, what I would say is, you know, we have complete faith in the, in the continued growth of the UK. You know, we, we at DP World obviously take a long-term business view. It is obviously that changes in the trading environment will continue, but that, that is just part of day-to-day -day business. We've all been through Brexit, all these uh, different trade agreements. In the end, you know, what we have proven in DP World is you know, we're a very agile business and able to deal with whatever changes exist in the UK trading environment. The two ports and our other logistics businesses will continue to deal with the changes as they come across the UK. You know, we're here for the long term and we have the right business, we believe, to deal with any changes that exist. We continue to acquire and develop our logistics business. We'll continue to, to provide digital solutions. But yeah, we have all the right solutions and digital platforms to meet the ever-changing environment. Andrew Bowen, DP World UK's Chief Operating Officer. Thanks for joining me today on the Lodestar Podcast. Thank you very much. It's been nice to speak to you. You've been listening to a sponsored Lodestar podcast produced in association with DP World. You can find more podcasts from the Lodestar on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find our back catalogue of podcasts and a whole lot more news on thelodestar.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you soon.